Hello and welcome back to the show. Today's episode, Aquarian Consciousness, is an entry in an ongoing discussion on my podcast about the emerging consciousness structure, the paradigm shift in consciousness brought on by the digital, digital technology in the Aquarian age. If you want to hear more episodes of my podcast, there's much more on my Substack at astroflight.substack.com than you can find on iTunes or Spotify. And if you become a paid subscriber to my Substack, you can get hours of more content, including MKUltra and the Unabomber, Blood Meridian discussion with today's guest, Glass Delusions, as well as an exclusive episode on Balenciaga, Epstein, the Clintons, the Podestas, and the CIA Global Crime Network. So please join astroflight.substat.com and become a paid subscriber and enjoy the show. The internet is an ocean that we invent as we explore. In the murky darkness of virtual places, there could be dragons. Shabbats, Leviathans. Certainly I have heard voices on the web who say we will discover a build of God and reach the side of the floor. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by uh, a good friend of mine who I've been talking to for, at this point, months about coming on. And we were finally able to coordinate it. And I'm excited to present to you Bethany Tabor, who goes by Glass Delusions on Twitter. Hello. Hi, Astral. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. Uh, well, I did an episode called The Aquarian Kali Yuga. And Bethany reached out to me about that episode and astrology in general. And we've been talking ever since. And uh, I, I now refer to you, by the way, you don't know this, but I now refer to you as my astrologer. <laughs> <laughs> that's very sweet. That's what I love to hear. I, okay, that's good. That's all I want to be good. <laughs> to people. <laughs> good. I'll uh, I'll randomly message her and be like, Hey, all this fucked up shit is happening to me and I'm going insane. And she's like, oh, well, that makes sense because uh, Jupiter's in transit. I'm like, okay, thank you. Okay. All right. <laughs> it helps. It's nice to know that something is going on yeah. and that it'll pass. Yes, I know. Maybe that's what I'm looking for the whole time. So listen, today we're going to talk about the Aquarian consciousness, which is something I've intuited and also kind of developed on my own by the reading I'm and observations I'm doing. But through talking to you, I've discovered that you're basically on the same path as me to this insight or this perspective on the on the near future and the, and the age mm -hmm. of Aquarius. Uh, but you are much more, you know, because I said to you, I'm more into the mythological implications uh, of, of astrology. Um, mm -hmm. If you listen to my Aquarian Kali Yuga episode, we actually don't talk much about real astrology at all we talk about myth pretty much the whole time uh but we talk about myth and how they change over the ages and how they reflect the ages um and how those ages correspond with the procession of the equinoxes but uh you ended up 
it turns out you basically agree with my perspective, but you come at it from a totally different, much more well-informed angle. So before we get into the actual astrology and some of the other stuff we want to talk about, the consciousness uh, and the way that consciousness is affected by it, I think it would be good to um, tell the audience about your background, both uh, your formal education, which is impressive. Uh, your knowledge base is, is unbelievable. Uh, very well read. But also the lifestyle you live and where you live and, you know, the things you share uh, really in, enhance your whole vibe, for lack of a better term. So I think it would be good to tell the listener a little bit about that to so so they can see that I have, you know, I don't just have some because I don't get into the like back of the back of the classified ads, uh, astrology on, on dating. I, I consider this a real thing. So mm -hmm, to have mm -hmm. somebody on to talk about astrology, uh, you know, they need to have their bona fides. And I think you really do. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I'd be happy to introduce myself, um, a little bit more. Um, well, I'm a Pisces son, <laughs> first of all. Um, but yeah, my background is actually in, uh, art history. That's what my degree is. in. my degrees are in art history and philosophy. And so I was already sort of, um, uh, that gave way into this very, uh, looking into archetypes, looking into studying, uh, the writing of Carl Jung, um, and just reading into the symbols and patterns, um, as an art historian, you have to have, and also in philosophy, you have to have a really strong background in semiotics and logic and, uh, sort of like philosophy of mind is really, really important in those fields. And so that already set me up to have kind of this, um, brain that recognizes patterns and, um, and puts things together. And I have frequent psychotic breaks <laughs> because because of all the conspiracies that I think that's that I get really what me and you have bonded over, not the astrology. <laughs> it's the frequent yeah. psychotic breaks. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's that's my uh, early higher education. I then went on to study my master's degree was in um i was i was doing really specialized work in curatorial studies around uh, performance art from the from the early twentieth century. Um, sort of early 1900s into the 1970s. Um, but that kind of gave way to, it was a really self-directed study, self-directed master's degree. And it kind of gave way to what my core research was, was um, actually comparative anthropology of death, <laughs> where I was just studying all kinds of different like death and dying rituals around um, uh, from different cultures, from East Eastern and Western cultures. And so- I didn't even know that about you. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was it's a weird sort of dusty corner of my life that I never I I sort of have put it into practice when I was living in New York. I I did I produced a performance festival at the cemetery in Brooklyn at Greenwood. Yeah, that's um, beautiful. That's a beautiful place. It's it it's incredible and they are really yeah. um they're they're really into turning that into like a cultural museum space mm. because the when the president took over of Greenwood he um in the 90s he sort of saw a timeline of when they were going to have to stop burying people and so uh he knew that they were going to you know have to figure out how to pivot their business to keep making business so he decided to bolster up the cultural um 
the activities there, the programming there. And something that I believe, tr- I, I really do believe this, is that people's relationship to death is uh, really important for how we function as a society. And a lot of, I mean, you hear so many people talking about the ills of modernity and you know, I, t- I and and all these things, all the ways that modern society has sort of degraded us as a functioning people. And I fully agree with that. But I think that th- the crux of that, it's not just like abstract art. It's not just modernity in general. It's actually a degradation of our relationship to death. Once d- it was uh, during the Civil War when um, embalming became a thing, when embalming was invented, and it completely fundamentally changed people's relationship to death people used to die inside the home and you used to have wakes and funerals inside the home and that does not happen anymore and that is like for me that's the breaking point of where modernity fucked everything up anyway um so that's yeah uh, one corner of my life (laughs) um but all of this like very uh, interdisciplinary disparate knowledge um has sort of combined to uh, like I that's why I have such a crazy reading list and bibliography <laughs> personally because I've just studied a lot of different things and before before I even went to school I, I was a ballet dancer and I was training to be a professional ballet dancer um and I decided I ha- broke my foot in the middle of audition season when I was 17 so I decided not to be an athlete um but that whole like world is also a big part of who I am and um the history of the dancing world is is a big part of everything too so. yeah and we we've talked about that you're unbelievable mm-hmm. uh <laughs> and we could do a whole episode on dance just i mean and death now too <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you yeah, you yeah, need your own deep. podcast actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah one day one day maybe i'm a better pontificator rather than a writer i'm trying to be a writer but yeah. maybe i should just I I started doing this because I don't have time to write. I I tried to and I just it's so much harder to sit down and hammer that out and like Mm -hmm. revise it than it is to just have a conversation. So you're going to have to just come back. That's all there is to it. Because we're not going to talk about any of any of this today, but it's right. uh, Right. Happy to. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I should also just say that that after once I after I've been working in the arts sector in New York, I started studying astrology in like 2016, Mm. 2017. Um, and again, it's this education in art history. It sort of was a coming back for me. Um, I started, uh, I also uh, was studying tarot and I came to tarot as like a very, in a very academic way before I started reading for people. Um, and yeah, it just sort of makes sense because in tarot, you're, you're analyzing the images as much as you are memorizing what, what they signify. So that it came it came around the the horn <laughs> after departing from art history just like came back around with the occult and astrology and tarot <laughs> okay so um i'm going to preface this with telling the listener that they have to become a paid subscriber to my substack and listen to the blood meridian episode it's called blood meridian extras because bethany was there for the whole thing which i which i'm honored for and she made some amazing contributions uh, to the discussion of Blood Meridian, particularly regarding the death tarot card and how it relates to the character of the judge. So you have to go listen to that. She's fantastic. But we also talked a lot about New Mexico. Mm -hmm. 
and um you you have a very active life out there so do you want to talk about that a little bit both like the geology and it seems like maybe you go mining or caving i don't know what to call it uh, um and also obviously new mexico is one of the primary places in the country for observing the the, the stars mm-hmm. are you mm-hmm. from there you're from there. yes yeah. yeah i thought so yeah i was born and raised in albuquerque and um and then sort of like ran away. I was very ready to leave when I went to school and then um, came back during the pandemic um, because I worked in I, I was a live events producer in New York. And so and I was there for several years. And during the pandemic, I lost my job and just figured that it was a good time to end, end the chapter. And I came out here and I found work um, essentially for the Department of Culture, basically. Um, so I'm I live in Albuquerque, but I am. I work all throughout the state. And so that's why I'm I'm traveling all around New Mexico all the time. And I, it requires me, I, I learned so much about New Mexico history. And, um, and so it, it is a very, very active part of my life for sure. Um, and outside of my actual job, I just, I'm really into it. So it is so esoterically rich out here. Um, I feel like New Mexico is a huge portal. I mean, there's all sorts mm. of everything, like, as a conspiracy theorist, like shit just comes alive in yeah. New Mexico. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, you start to, um, and now especially, I mean, here it is July, 2023. So Oppenheimer just came out and now it's just like a huge, like upswing of discussion and, and discourse again Awesome about all of that. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a really, really insane place to live. I also, where my apartment is now in Albuquerque is, Uh, down the street from the Rosenberg house. So the Rosenbergs were part of the KGB spies. I didn't realize they were in New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, they were trying to, they were spying on the labs basically. And there was one of the scientists who worked for Oppenheimer was paid off and um, he communicated with the spies. (laughs) And um, it was crazy because the Russians, the Russian spies all got executed by electric chair but then this German scientist, he like spent nine years in prison and then they uh, he went went back to Germany and like had an illustrious career as a physicist. It was crazy. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah. But but yeah, there's just like these hidden places um, where massive, massive pieces of history and American history, too, um, have just unfolded out here. And it's like uh, it's it's just such an insane place to live. And um yeah, and I I'm really really lucky that I get to travel everywhere, and I get to work with really interesting people, and um, I'm always going around to weird historic sites and uh, archaeological ruins, and also yeah. that's the other thing is that it's so um, the human history here is so so old, and uh, th- there's just like so much there's so much symbolism. I mean, Mm. even if you get into, um, I guess it's a little bit more into West Texas, um, but parts of Southeastern New Mexico, you start to see rock art with like Quetzalcoatl on it. And it's just mind blowing. It's, it's insane. Um, so yeah. And, and for sure, there's a lot of like geomancy here. A lot of, uh, hippies are, are doing considered places, uh, in, geomancy is the practice of like doing magic with the earth um and specific latitudes and longitudes on the earth 
give have higher frequencies to do magic. And so a lot of people do geomancy out here. The Great Continental Divide comes right through here. Um, the 33rd Parallel is here, which is on the Trinity site where they detonated the bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, Coincidence. So... <laughs> and did you see the headline? <laughs> did you see the headline that was like uh, Oppenheimer makes $33 million in its opening weekend? <laughs> Actually, you might have been the one who showed me that now that I think about it. I think you. Yeah, it was. It was you who showed me. I had retweeted yeah. a friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. And it was funny. Right. I guess right before that, a few days before Oppenheimer came out, I was um, I was going up to Las Vegas, New Mexico, and there's a beautiful like it's called the Dewan Light Sanctuary. And it's a beautiful sort of chapel building that has prisms uh, built into the all around the sides and the ceiling and so these rainbows just come in through the um through the windows at different times of day it's like a natural light show it's beautiful but when i was there there was a uh car parked there and he had a freemason front license plate mm, and i was course. like holy shit <laughs> well listen like here. i strongly encourage everyone to go listen to the bloodbrandian episode because we get way into this we talk about mccarthy who lived in new mexico we talk about the santa fe institute uh, Bethany talks more about all the portals there and much more. So, okay. So unless you had something else to say about New Mexico, um, <laughs> let's get down to why I had you here. So we're going to talk about Aquarian consciousness. And we're also going to talk about uh, what I call, I was originally going to call it demonology, but that's not exactly what we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about the the diffusion of the membrane that separates the transcendent realm, the spirit realm, and the material realm where our consciousness exists, and how it's becoming more permeable in the Aquarian age, um, which is not directly related to Aquarian consciousness, but it does affect the Aquarian consciousness. So I'll let Bethany kind of explain what I mean, and then we'll elaborate on these points. But to start us off, I had an insight that I didn't fully develop, but you can hear me initiated at the end of my episode on the Garden of Eden myth mm. uh, about the where the evolution of our consciousness is going in relation to technology. Mm. And this has to do with what I was talking about, about, about the, 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 um, interplay between the transcendent realm and the spirit realm and our realm uh we'll get to that though i would like you if you feel comfortable introducing your perspective on the aquarian consciousness because like i was saying before it lines up quite nicely with mine but again you come at it from a different angle which i really appreciate so maybe together we can have a pretty robust uh picture of where the human psyche is going mm-hmm. yeah yeah, so um, I think on a couple of your episodes, you've you've talked about the procession of the equinox, and you've sort of set up for people, for listeners, like the entering into the age of Aquarius. But essentially, the age of Aquarius is um, a part of a, a civilizational arc um, where our the points of the equinox are facing a certain zodiac sign, um, and that that point where the earth faces 
the zodiac sign where the earth faces during the equinoxes changes over the course of 2000 years. And those 2000 year periods are known as astrological ages. And as we precess backwards through the zodiac with every with with every 2000 years with the equinox, um, we, we shift into new astrological ages. And the idea is that our consciousness evolves as well as the procession of the equinox. We as a civilization adapt to certain um, we adapt our, our lives and our societies globally to uh, the ethos of the, the particular astrological age that we're living in. And for the past 2000 years, we've been in the age of Pisces and um, which means that in from the northern hemisphere perspective, on the spring equinox, our we are facing the zodiac sign of Pisces. And um, it's understood by astrologers that we've been facing Pisces since the birth of Christ, roughly. And uh, now that time is up, um, sort of, so to speak. And we are coming upon the age of Aquarius again because we're processing backwards through the zodiac and Aquarius comes before Pisces. So here we are on the precipice of the age of Aquarius, uh, and it's sort of, um, it's a little bit, I mean, I mean the, the Earth's wobble on its axis, which causes the equinoctial procession, um, since it's a wobble, it's never a set like, okay, here's the year, whatever, 2020, and therefore we've shifted into the age of Aquarius. It sort of is a, it's a transitional period. Um, and so we've been in that tra transitional period. A lot of new age occultism in the 1970s started to notice that, okay, we're coming up on the end of this 2000 year period. So we're probably heading into the shift now. And that's why a lot of like hippie culture um, started talking about the age of Aquarius in the 1970s. But for many astrologers, they believe that that year that we will be fully instantiated into the age of Aquarius is 2140. Um, so, which we're rapidly approaching. So we're we're in deep in the transition now, and there's sort of like no going back. Um, so that's the procession of the equinox. That's astrological ages, and what that means for us is that we are again because humans evolve alongside this sort of spiral upgrade that's the other thing too that just as like a as an aside as sort of tangential but i just people will often dispute or disagree with this idea of like cyclical time and cyclical thinking because they um they they don't want to have just a constantly repeating cycle like a lot of people disagree with cyclical thinking because they're like what would be the point if we just live in cyclical time because we're just repeating over and over again if we're just moving in a cycle but that's actually that's not true we're this time is not just a flat circle it's also sort of a, a a cone shape or like a conch shell shape where we're spiraling and it is a circular pattern but we're spiraling upward or downward i mean i guess you know we could be spiraling into like disaster but i'm a little bit more optimistic than that um so it's not like we we come back around to the age of Aquarius every 26,000 years. It's not like this age of Aquarius that we're coming up to is the same as the age of Aquarius from 26,000 years ago. It's it's hopefully we have elevated into a better 
Aquarian consciousness, or hopefully we will elevate into a better Aquarian consciousness. Um, but I just wanted to say that. <laughs> it's like a no, caveat. no, it's good. It's good. We build, <laughs> we build on the consciousness structures of the past uh, in an, into a new thing over time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so we exactly. develop uh, aspects of our consciousness. We open up new realms of consciousness over time, and you can lose knowledge, uh, and you can lose like skills, but you don't sure. really lose the the avenue or the the um, the realm of consciousness. It doesn't close, uh, but you 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 don't. Uh, the the realms of consciousness that open up can become inaccessible or obfuscated or obscured over time, but yeah. um, it is still nonetheless cumulative. For sure. And I think the other thing to think about too, is that like, if you, if, if you think about how the earth is in relationship to the stars and you have, you know, one Zodiac sign is projecting onto the earth for 2000 years, you sort of can think of it like the, of course, consciousness is going to be more focused on that Zodiac sign. And like you're going to be more influenced than that. And so you other the sort of consciousness uh, neural pathways or whatever you've developed from the past, those will naturally fall away because you're no longer oriented like we're no longer yeah. oriented in the age of Taurus, like this like bull worship. And uh, we're no longer oriented toward the the age of Pisces, this like singular messianic savior figure. Those practices will sort of die away uh just sort of naturally because we're not that's just not where we're facing um and you can sort of think of it like when you're facing facing the sun versus facing away from the sun like when you're facing the sun you can feel the heat and and it radiates that uv radiation is really hitting you but then when you're in the shade or when you're turned away from the sun if you're facing the east during sunset or whatever like you're you're no longer facing the sun you feel you don't feel it you feel the absence of that heat um and so you can think of it sort of that's a that's a good analogy like if you're facing the sign of aquarius for 2000 years you're going to embody aquarian aspects and and age and piscean aspects are going to fall away um but the other thing about that i want to set this conversation up with about the age of aquarius in particular is there's also a sort of polarizing relationship with the zodiac sign that's 180 degrees away from mm -hmm, aquarius mm -hmm. which is leo and um, you sort of the the two zodiac sister zodiac signs, um, the signs that are across the wheel from each other, 180 degrees. They're two sides of the same coin almost, and you kind of can't have one without the other. Um, like it, when you are when you're when you're facing the age of Aquarius, Leo is sort of present by its absence. <laughs> in in a weird way is is like you're you're totally oriented toward aquarius so all of the aspects of leo are sort of like they make themselves known because you're specifically facing away from them you sort of like i i, I don't know if that is a totally skitzed out thing to say but <laughs> that's the sort of paradox well, it's of, like the of, negation or the antithesis yeah exactly exactly and um what I like to my sort of hypothesis around Aquarian consciousness mm. and what I how I like to think is human civilization during the age of Leo, which would have been about 12,000 years ago. So this is all based on 
like the alternative history theory that human yeah. civilization is much much older than it yeah actually um is. graham hancock fans will know what you're talking about mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah um so that's just like that's also a caveat i just want to set that up <laughs> like um well we no explain <laughs> no but finish that thought though about what's the what's the idea here what was happening yeah what was supposedly happening so 10,000 bc during the age of leo yeah so during the age of leo we come into leo is a is the zodiac sign of the individual the ego um it's the ruler of the fifth house which is creativity which is usually like creativity is um fueled by the by an individual person a singular person and Leo is all about the eye. Um, that's really important. So when you're coming into the age of Leo as a civilization, you're coming into individuality. So my hypothesis, and it's not just mine, of course, but um, I mean, I've I've learned this um, from reading, but human civilization, you know, it's going from as it's processing through the equinox, going from the age of Capricorn, Sagittarius, Scorpio, Libra, Virgo into Leo we individuated and i think that during the age of leo is when we became we lost telepathic connection with each other i think that all of the astrological ages prior to leo our consciousness was uh inextricably linked to each other and um the the myth that corresponds to this would be the tower of babel when everything falls apart because individual language is introduced to people and no one can understand each other anymore once we have our own individual brains and we can keep secrets from each other, we can lie, deceive each other, um, and we don't have and we have different languages, the telepathic connection totally breaks down. That's textbook Leo situation. Uh, like coming into an individuality, having our own individual selves acting completely free of anybody else knowing what we're thinking. Or knowing what we'll, what we're gonna do before we do it, kind of thing. So, so yeah. So Leo is the individual individualization, I guess, of society and civilization. And then we process back through the through the equinox into Cancer, Gemini, Taurus, Aries, Pisces, as individuals, as people with our own brains and not uh, not communicating with each other telepathically telepathically. Over those 12,000 years, telepathic communication has completely eroded. But now we're coming up to Aquarius, 180 degrees away from Leo. And Aquarius is where uh, we all coalesce together again. And that's because Aquarius, if Leo is, Leo the opposite is individual and I and ego. The opposite of that is uh, the we, the community, the collective. Aquarius rules the 11th house of networks. Um and rhizomatic uh, architecture. Um, so Aquarian consciousness is, and, and the age of Aquarius is where we coalesce back into telepathic connection. So that's what I, that's how I define Aquarian consciousness is when we all become telepathically connected again. And I think that um, the internet is the thing that is sort of like acting like a bridge. I don't necessarily think the internet is the Aquarian consciousness, I mean, I think and and uh, we've talked about this before, and I know that you've talked about this on your on your show before. But I mean, like for me, Bitcoin is a huge, major, major factor of what is the Aquarian sort of the foundation 
of how we evolve into Aquarian consciousness because Bitcoin is this super network um, and of individual nodes all meshed together in a network. But essentially that kind of the internet, Bitcoin, this sort of like decentralized technology is very Aquarian. It's all acting as this foundation for us to get back to as a civilization, get back to telepathic communication. And, you know, I I love when people say like people are so alarmed by um, TikTok comment feeds and comment feeds on on Twitter and stuff. People are alarmed. They're like, nobody was ever supposed to know every single thought that pops into your head at all times, you know, but it's like, yeah, over the last 12,000 years, we've evolved out of that, but now we're going back into that. So it's sort of like, I understand that it's unsettling, but that's also just like, that's what's going to happen 2000 years from now, we're going to be in it again. And we will know every single thought (laughs) that everybody else is having. Um, And that's, that's our consciousness evolution. Yeah. This is basically how I see it. I see the internet as the catalyst for this. The the internet is the thing that collectivizes everyone's consciousness. Mm -hmm. And um, technology in general, and I mean all technology, rudimentary, the wheel, warfare technology, all technology throughout human history is part of the thing that creates these consciousness structures that I was talking about. And I'm really glad you used the term neuropathways. It's very important because neuropathways get fixed and they become, they're like a muscle that gets worked out. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get locked in to those certain pathways and those certain modes of thinking. And I mean, I could say so many different things here, but if you are locked in, the way I see it is that thoughts, for lack of a better term, but you could call them entities, are coming in and out of your brain uh, from you know, external sources, be it telepathically, uh, telekinesis, or just be it hearing people talk, reading people's words, uh, picking up on other people's, you know, vibe, affect, mood. All those things affect your thoughts and affect your thought patterns and they affect your mood. And when you're locked in to a certain neuro, you know, pathways, uh, it blocks those things out. Mm -hmm. This is why things like prayer and chanting are so important because when you, when you're, when you're repeating the same prayer, the same chant over and over and over again, you're locking your brain into this pattern and it keeps this external stuff out. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's like a barrier. It's like a protective barrier and you're less, uh, susceptible to suggestion and to demonic influences yeah and you know what's amazing about that is there's a great book called the holographic universe theory by michael talbot Um, yeah yeah i've heard of this i never read it he he wrote it in 91 i think and um he's just taking the holographic universe theory at that point it was completely disputed and he's just examining in each chapter he's examining different things about to support holographic universe and of course that theory is that we project our own reality and reality is not something that is completely external to us it is something Mm. that is that we are in communication with at all times which is like very astrological too i mean this idea of um 
the zodiac sign that is projecting onto us affects us and then and we affect it and it's constant communication that's very holographic universe theory but in any case he has one particular chapter it's an it's an incredible book i highly recommend it but he has one particular chapter about um religious cults that do these sort of that put themselves into trances and um and and will often self-flagellate or like torture Mm -hmm. themselves and um they are protected they don't have the they don't experience any like physical pain or serious injury because they are in they're they're doing this to them to their bodies they're having these mystical experiences doing things to their bodies while they're in a trance while they're in prayer um one is like the french cult the the jensenists um and they will like try to impale themselves but because they're in prayer they don't they come out of it completely non-injured they'll walk over burning coals and they don't experience any injury um things like that and so it's like there's this yeah the this psychic barrier Mm. that that because they are in a trance it it's mind over matter and their mind the strength of their mind protects their bodies as mystics mystics well i'm juxtaposing that consciousness state with the state that interacting with technology puts you in because it it does certain things to you it hypnotizes you in a certain way oh like yeah for sure your, the 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 studies on like the way your eye uh movement changes you blink less frequently you you know your your eye movement is less um you're more suggestive you're more open you're more kind of like in a hypnotized state and by the actual i mean when i say this i'm not just like being metaphorical the actual neurochemical effects that the electricity and like the light of the of the technology itself especially televisual technology like the computer the mm-hmm. phone and the television has on your brain is such that it like puts you into a uh, a more suggestive state and you're having these ideas coming into your into your head and it's like changing you know uh bill uh bill hicks Mm -hmm. bill hicks says that uh television is like spray paint for your third eye and if if television is like spray paint for your third eye i like to think that like i i don't know that the internet is like a, a glory hole for demons turning your third eye into a glory hole for like demonic entities that's just ripping it open and letting them all like flood into your consciousness because the idea right is being like your third eye is your way for like perceiving like the spiritual realm and being connected with that but your brain is being like distracted from that or it's being it's being like locked out of that by being mm-hmm. like looped into this pattern that this mm-hmm. that the televisual technology puts you in mm-hmm. um and it opens you up to suggestion, but when you're on the internet, you're being flooded, you know, with everything, with TikTok, with the short little bursts of these suggestive videos that that put all this imagery into your head and put all these ideas into your head, and then everything else on the internet, all social media, all this stuff is pretty, pretty mm-hmm. trite to even go over. But the reason I'm, I'm sorry, I, I want to look up. It sounds. I want to look up Bill Hicks's zodiac sign. Oh yeah, it's a good question. I think I know what it is, but um, the point, right, is that 
the Aquarian consciousness, the, the collective consciousness, juxtaposed from the individual consciousness that you're talking about for like the age of Leo, mm-hmm. it's first of all symbolized by the Aquarian uh, zodiac sign, which is the, you know, the the God pouring the heavenly waters down onto the earth. So it's submerging our consciousness into this, what I like to call primordial soup. It's 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 subsuming the individual consciousness that was established during the age of Pisces because Jung talks about how the age of Pisces, like the two fish, symbolize like the 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 like um, dis- the distillation of of your consciousness out of like the collective previous consciousness structure. The second fish is like the distillation of the individual consciousness structure during the second half of the age of Pisces, right? Mm-hmm. And then the age of Aquarius submerges that and remerges like the individual back with the collective. And it's mm-hmm. being like totally covered over. And everybody's like bumping around together in this dark, like subconscious void. I think the internet is the perfect metaphor for that. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. all of our consciousnesses are being projected into the internet and the internet itself is like this primordial soup of the future consciousness. So the Aquarian consciousness structure, as I see it, which you're talking about like telepathy, right? Because metaphorically speaking, that's how the internet works. It's like, it's like we're not sitting face to face talking to each other, having a, a normal conversation. Uh, our thoughts are being like, sent into this cyber void and they're being picked up by anyone it's Mm -hmm. just thoughts like floating around in this soup for anyone to pick up Mm -hmm. and that's that's like the breaking down of the barrier of your own personal consciousness that's able to like filter this stuff out instead it's just like floating around and your like disembodied consciousness is in this like cyber void and it's like as if you're on the astral plane Mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. where where on the material plane there's like uh definitive entities that are protected by barriers that can only interact with each other through like different material mediums like sound and vision and touch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but on the internet all that's like subsumed and your consciousness is like free floating from your body and it's being exposed to these things that like pass through you Mm-hmm. As if it was a spirit or an entity passing through you on the astral plane, and of course the the idea is that when you're when you're on the astral plane and these spirits en- encounter you, they're not they're not benign or they're not ineffective. They're they're affecting you in some way. They're mm-hmm. like your your encounter with them is somehow uh, having an in- influence on your mode of thought and your mode of being. And they can take you over and they can start to control you. And they can totally mm-hmm. like change your life and totally change the way you relate to reality. Uh, so you go into this like hypnotic suggestive state, these entities like possess you. And then, you know, and you have all these, you can ha- you have all these examples from the past of like people being recruited by ISIS or people buying drugs or people getting into these uh, harmful relationships and things like that. Uh, but it also spreads social contagion like way faster Mm -hmm. than it would through the normal methods because through the normal methods these like aberrant subcultures 
are like isolated subcultures that you have you would have to like go to New York City or you'd have to go to San Francisco to interact with. Mm-hmm. But now it's like the open I see it as like the opening of Pandora's box. And in my Aquarian Kali Yuga episode, I talk about how this is equivalent to the Iron Age, which is the Kali Yuga. And in mm-hmm. Hishiat's book, where he talks about the Iron Age, what happens in the Iron Age is that Pandora's box is open. And all these entities are like populating the world and they're running all over the place. And he's like giving you all this advice about how to like deal with the entities that have come out of Pandora's box that are like running rampant throughout throughout the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how I see our plight now, that all these things that were contained and that were kept as like subcultural nodes all over, you know, different geographic locations are no longer contained to there. And they're being like spilled out like Pandora's box all over our society. And they're like, it's like demonic possession, basically. Mm-hmm. That, the, mm-hmm. that, the, that the person who's geographically far away from the nodes of these things, the centers uh, of this like rot are are being exposed to it online. And it's like totally taking them over. And just to kind of finish up what I'm saying is that the telepathy that you're talking about and like the collective unconscious, it's becoming a real thing, like a physical, it's like finally been physically manifested into Mm -hmm. reality because the collective unconsciousness is a realm or a dimension of reality, right? And then the collective consciousness that all the collective people who's who individuate and develop egos creates a collective consciousness, which is, you know, Hegel's whole concept of like spirit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The sum total of all the individuated consciousnesses create a new realm of consciousness that is a distinct historical novelty that is going to produce new things, new ideas, new thoughts, new ways of being, new modes of thought. And the internet is itself a new dimension of consciousness that is like an externalization, right, of the collective unconsciousness, but it's also a whole new reality. It's really a whole new reality uh, where all these things exist. Yeah, yeah. And... um. Yeah, and actually, like, I just keep thinking about Deleuze. Deleuze would describe it as that's the plane of imminence. And then he's taking that's that exactly from, from right. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it is. The plane yeah. of imminence has become real now. Yeah, yeah, we full we have fully developed it. Yeah. And, or we're de- we're we're awakening to it, I guess. I mean, I guess you could argue that the plane of imminence always exists, but it's just like in, in a time from the age of Leo up until now, it's just, it's been way more textured and we were not as aware of it, but now we are way more aware of it. Well, Um, my argument is that there's different planes of imminence. So the mm -hmm. plane of imminence in like, you were talking about like the age of Leo, like prior to that, everybody was telepathic. And uh, you can understand this as like tribes who kind of don't have their own identity, like like hunter gatherer tribes who supposedly don't have their own identity. They're like their minds are like an interlocking fluid piece that makes up the entire tribe that 
that is one plane of imminence. And then everybody individuates and they have their own individual consciousness. And then that makes up the collective consciousness of that community. And that is another layer of the plane of imminence. And then Mm. the internet and technology creates a third plane that is higher or lower, but not the same plane of imminence. Because the Mm. plane of imminence, according to Deleuze and Guattari, is like where ideas come from. It's a plane of like pure consciousness. This is like where Plato's forms exist. Mm-hmm. Hegel explains mm-hmm. this very nicely. It's it's the place that is external to you, but it's not external to it's it's external to you individually. Right, right. But it's right. not external to like the collective. Yeah, and it's like where the forms come from and we turn them in, we process them through our own individual consciousness and then express them in various ways, either through art or through ideas, or as Deleuze and Guattari say, is, is through concepts. It's creating concepts. They're mm-hmm. taking things off the plane of imminence and turning them into a concept. So my argument, and I think we totally agree on this, is that during the age of Aquarius, the plane of imminence being the internet, this is now like where the forms exist and 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 the new forms civilizational or cultural forms that are coming out of that are like us accessing it and then processing it in reality. But you Mm -hmm. said, you said that there's like a transitional phase, which I totally agree with. So the transitional phase appears chaotic. I mean, I've talked about this on my show before, so I'm not going to belabor it, but the transitional phase is when all the chaos and all the bad stuff happens because it hasn't been sorted out yet. And, uh, you know, there's an essay I have on my blog. I can't believe I forgot the name of it. But I talk about how everybody's in this one mode of consciousness in the earlier era. And then when they're shifting, there's a paradigm shift to go into the new mode of consciousness. Some people like go insane during that shift because Mm -hmm. their consciousness structure breaks down and is reformulated into a new consciousness structure. And they like, some people don't come back from it. So that's why Mm -hmm. you start to see novel mental illnesses or mental illnesses that were like really like a brush fire, very, very small, like not really prevalent throughout the population. They all of a sudden become epidemics. So like during postmodern, the postmodern era, um, schizophrenia during the the late modern era, it was neurosis. And then the postmodern era was schizophrenia. This is all from Deleuze and Guattari. I mean, Mm -hmm, their book is mm -hmm, called, mm -hmm. well, this is actually from McLuhan, but they develop it. And I've, I have a lot more to say about McClure, but I want to let, let you come back in. Um, so these mental illnesses like rapidly uh, proliferate during the, the, the interregnum phase, during the, during the interim phase. And now for the digital age, it's autism. And the reason why it's autism, mm-hmm. by the way, is, uh, well, I'll explain that. I want, I want to let you respond. But my point uh- is, is these people don't come back. These people right, don't come right. back. They develop these mental illnesses and it like traps them and they're lost. And you have to go through a cycle of like a couple generations before the new consciousness crystallizes itself and establishes itself and the new mode can like get up and running. But during the time frame, like people like us have to deal with the problems that arise and yeah. the things we see are like mass shooting, uh, g- genital mutilation, of children and, and yep. adults, suicide yep. rates, the opioid epidemic, the fentanyl epidemic. Like these are the, this is the, um, what's the word? Uh, not, uh, 
the collateral symptoms. damage. This oh, is yeah. the collateral damage of the sh paradigm shifted consciousness. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. again, I didn't mean to rant at you. I want you to, you're my guest, so please respond. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's your turn to talk. Go <laughs> talk about <laughs> autism, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the spurking. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, there's, there's so much there that I, yeah, that I can respond to, but I think that First of all, I think that the, the internet as we know it right now is just such the transitional tool. Like that's the sort of, the internet is the bridge in this chaotic transition. And I mean, if you think about it, yeah, this using this as an example of like what we're doing right now, just speaking over the internet via video call is like insane because in material reality, I am alone in my apartment you are alone in the in your study and <laughs> and we are just talking like in in the age of leo and back we're just like two individuals talking into nothing i'm like from the perspective of whoever is like outside my apartment and can hear outside my window i'm just like talking to myself and the same with you and so but because of the internet and because of these these technological tools and like the Wi-Fi that's like magically well, um, functioning. We're talking to each other. Yeah, we're we're putting all this into the. I think this is a, we're putting it into the void. Yeah, we're putting it into the cloud, mm -hmm. and we're putting it into the flood of the aqua the Aquarian flood. The waters. Yeah, they're they're all the same thing. They're all the same. Yeah, you know. Go on. Yeah, that same substance exactly, and and there's just tools that sort of transmute it. What I think, I mean. My idea of like everything pre-Age of Leo is that there were also these, the tools that the, uh, facilitated the telepathy or whatever. Like, I don't necessarily, I think that they were a little bit more refined than this. I think that the internet is a really clunky tool. Also, I think that the internet is controlled by people who know about this, who know about the procession of the equinox they know about the civilizational arc they know how to control the universe the internet is specific the internet is demonic because it's being controlled by demonic people who want to control everybody else and i have a much more optimistic view of like once we get past this transitional phase decentralization and the internet this is also why i'm a, why i'm a bitcoin maxi too is like decentralization you operating as an individual node as part of a collective network you should have full autonomy over everything you should be connected and tapped into the network but you are still your own individual node and you have you still have your own agency and there are ways to protect your privacy that's again bitcoin is just like the most obvious aquarian um metaphor here is because you still have like your your privacy and everything is masked in a bitcoin transaction everything is masked by a specific you have your private key and then you have your public key and your public signature whatever on on the transaction um so you are plugged in and everybody's connected but you still ha you still maintain your privacy and your personal sovereignty the internet does not give that to you and i won't get too skitzed out but <laughs> but it the internet is owned operated invented by people who understand fundamentally what's going on they understand that the age of aquarius is here and we're transitioning into it and they want to control us into developing all the illnesses of everything that's bad and they want you and also they want you to believe i mean this is also why pop astrology has been made 
into it's been made you know over feminized and made into something that's just for like oh it's just your sun sign or whatever made into something frivolous astrology is seen as something frivolous because nobody actually wants you to know what really is going on they want you to just be trapped in these illnesses they want you to be trapped in this transition so that they can better control you um they want everybody to be a part of the network but they want a specific hierarchy of people to be able to actually harness the power that we all should be flourishing into. Um, Aquarian consciousness is incredibly, I don't know if it's egalitarian. It might just be sort of, if I, I, I don't think that any of our political ideologies that we have now, it's sort of inarticulable. I don't think that any political ideology right now accurately depicts it, but I, I guess Aquarian consciousness is maybe more libertarian maybe, well, because again, there's like this personal sovereignty, but you're also like, you as a person as an individual are also like contributing via with your own resiliency and your own strength whereas like the internet locks you into being very dependent very it locks you into a victimhood sort of like you're you're a victim of your own illness well yeah it like spreads spreads these mind viruses you use the word word egalitarian uh, if i understand you correctly maybe we could just use the word collectivization because it is collectivizing yeah our consciousness mm -hmm. and you know there are people who can like navigate it and not become susceptible to it it's yeah. younger people who are like having their consciousness developed and shaped and structured by the internet that are like going to be the new the new paradigm mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and you know it's screwing them up in certain ways obviously but i'm not totally negative about it because some people are are able to harness it and mm -hmm. thrive like massively through it so it's got it's good and it's bad things bad things but in terms of like what you were saying about the people who run the internet um the way i see it is two different angles here is first of all i agree with you that there are people involved with what's happening that uh plan this out and they see where it's going and they did it for a reason and the Apple computer is the bite taken out of the rainbow apple, right? Mm -hmm. And this is re referencing the Garden of Eden myth. And the idea, one interpretation of the Garden of Eden myth is that biting the apple is becoming self-aware and developing an individuated ego consciousness that because it's the knowledge of good and evil, you come out of nature. You come out of your oneness with nature. You come out of this like prehistoric vegetative state which you know prior to the fall man was in this consciousness structure of the plane of imminence of collectivized telepathy as we called it which is what i was talking about before uh the biting of the apple symbolizes like the development of the ego consciousness it, it symbolizes the development of this self-reflexiveness and the awareness that we and you are separate from nature so the next stage, the next development of the plane of imminence that I was talking about, uh, the, the next tier, the next level in the Internet, right, is the symbol is symbolized by the digital apple, which is cyber cybernetic consciousness or, uh, you know, like artificial intelligence. Right. And what is artificial intelligence? But the sum total of all of the data 
entered onto the internet. Mm-hmm. So it's the new consciousness structure. And when I talk about us like throwing Bethany's... I, I'm having like extreme deja vu. Yeah, good. <laughs> okay, perfect. Aquarian consciousness. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm not surprised. <laughs> because when I was saying before about how we're like putting our thoughts into the void, into the cloud, into this primordial soup, right? They're not just floating around doing nothing. They're being picked up by the artificial intelligence and synthesized into this new consciousness. All right. And it's being synthesized into this new consciousness structure and this new consciousness being. But the other thing that's happening at the same time as this, right? This is why Elon Musk is like obsessed with Neuromancer and the book Deus Ex, because that's what (laughs) happens. They, They make us super consciousness being through AI and it's in the book and in the game. And it's like manipulating humans to help achieve its own ends. Right. And, and mm-hmm. people like the blade runners or a uh, 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 case, the neuromancer, these are these like paladins, the knights of the digital age who are able to like navigate the cyber realm which is being lorded over by this evil wizard of the of the AI and somebody like Elon Musk sees himself as somebody who can like navigate all this and like overcome the super consciousness and like control it mm-hmm. as opposed to having it control him, which is what happens in Neuromancer. It tricks them into like helping it synthesize itself into the super being. So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to collectivize our consciousness to use it to synthesize it into this new powerful being. But the other thing they're doing is harvesting our data because it's mm-hmm. like we're shedding this uh, while we're on the internet and then they're picking it up and selling it to make money. It's like the new oil, they call it. That is the new oil. But Right, right. The theosophist, uh, Rudolf Steiner, talks about interacting with the astral also a pisces was he a pisces yes yeah they're low-key becoming my new favorite sign uh go on sorry they um he basically says that like your physical body is here and your conscious brain can be on the astral realm at the same time right mm-hmm. and now we're we need to get into this later but the the he's the one who talks about the impermeable membrane like like there's impermeability defines the material plane because me and you can't like we bump into each other and we like knock apart. So we have to like in order to like integrate our brains, we have to talk to each other and have like, uh, you know, eye contact and 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 gestures and, and hand movements and things like that. Mm-hmm. But on the on the astral realm, according to him, like you don't have any of these external cues. You, you it's all pure consciousness. Right. And entities know. can pass through each other. And there's a membrane between the astral realm and the material realm that these beings can't pass through and you can't pass over there. And it keeps you from like being possessed. But when you travel on the astral plane and theosophists say this kind of thing, like if you're not like a trained, you know, if you're not trained in like meditation and astral projection and things like that, you're more susceptible to being like to picking up one of these entities and having it attach itself to you. And what it does is it basically drains your vitality. Mm-hmm, and it drains mm-hmm. your life force and feeds itself. This is exactly what data harvesting is. Yeah, if and I think that that's what the internet yourself, does. That's exactly what the internet does. Mm-hmm. So data harvesting is the preying of these other 
worldly beings on you while your consciousness is in the astral realm. So go on. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's like the everything that is addictive about the Internet, like the like the saturation of the colors on the phone and the screen on your on the laptop or whatever, like it's all meant to break down your psychic barriers and break down any um, any resiliency that you would have. Because from what I see, how I see it is like, again, if we are always meant to be evolving through this like ascending spiral of astrological ages, we've done this before. We've been telepathic before and we have and we as humans, our brains and our consciousnesses are able to have resiliency against like these uh, sort of impotent egregores that want to possess us and and drain us of our vitality. We have the resiliency against that. But the thing is, is that the internet, this clunky tool that is part of the transition, it's been designed, our machines have been designed to wear down that resiliency that is natural and innate to us, that I really do believe is natural and innate to us. It's... um. Uh, the the medium is the massage definitely McLuhan and McLuhan also is a is a Leo just by the way so he is like reflecting that whole like Leo Aquarius axis I also Ralph Emerson had his North Node in Aquarius and Emerson is a huge huge harbinger of the age of Aquarius with transcendentalism so anyway all of that um I love that you know these guys signs <laughs> I uh, yeah I'm I'm obsessive about that kind of stuff. <laughs> Just making sure that I know everybody's zodiac sign. No, it's it's good. It's good to see what they're channeling. But um, but yeah, it's that that's the the internet is not only a clunky tool, but it's also yeah being being controlled in this in a very specific way to drain us of our of our strength and resistance against all of the bad that can come along, all of the sort of illnesses that come along with telepathy because it's not just like um. It's not that there's there's there are disadvantages to telepathy, obviously, and everything about our machines currently are not are, are are it's not great. It's unhealthy. The other thing that I wanted to say, I don't know where I got this from about the Apple logo with the bite. I have, I have no idea where I would have read this or maybe I just made it up in my head. But I also thought that it was a reference to Alan Turing because Alan Turing took cyanide to kill himself and the core of an apple has cyanide did i just make that i have no idea I but mean, i it also sounds reasonable but i've never heard that maybe i just made i don't know maybe i just made it up because i'm just like delusional but but i also really like that though as an idea because alan turing of course the enigma machine and and he is essentially like the father of computer intelligence and artificial intelligence and and computers and networks and so like that's also like a big these symbols ha carry you know whether the apple th this goes to your point about the importance of myth and symbols whether you see the apple and you think on a, on a macintosh and you think like oh the garden of eden the tree of knowledge we're biting into the tree of knowledge and we're you know coming back into grand networked knowledge or you see it as like a symbol of alan turing and the and the cascade into artificial intelligence um I well, think yeah it's I would, all yeah i think it's the same yeah yeah well i'm yeah. just saying that the the digital apple is being bit by artificial right. intelligence and it's yeah it's right yeah yeah so it's just like it's it's an interesting like interlocking of of these massive i mean alan turing is you know he was a real man but very mythic i mean uh, of mythic proportions um yeah, and you could totally like spiral out down a rabbit hole with that. But um um I think that 
ultimately the internet is like the false the false flame like it is the it is the astral realm that we have right now but it's not the one that is meant for us it's the one that is like sort, would... sort of a trap do you think it's going to go away or something i think that it will probably go away like the how we know it now i think that it's not it's it's inarticulable because we're still like and and you and me will never necessarily know what the new paradigm is and what the new what the new realm is because we're just going to exist in the transition we're not going to be alive by the time it's 2140 um that said I think well, that no, there's we'll, like... we'll be alive in 2140, but we won't be. We'll be on the way out. The people in 2140, will... we'll be dead. Oh, 2140. <laughs> I thought you were saying 2040. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's 2140. Yeah. Huh. Long way away. <laughs> Interesting. Well, um... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if the internet doesn't stay around it will be the thing that creates whatever consciousness structure we're in for sure but i for doubt sure. I, I think it's going to be here um uh, i think that it might i think that it'll i i i my caveat my disclaimer is that like it's it's going to morph into something that's completely different i mean right now we interface with the internet by we hook up a router into the wi-fi and we have our devices and we just like log it log on i think that and then and these devices have the addictive screen like saturation color and stuff and, and it draws us in and we're like addicted to these devices i think that what the internet might look like is something that's a little bit more um like uh cybernetic like um what what cyborg maybe a little bit is yeah. probably going to look a little bit more like that and be a little bit more fleshly for us. Um, yeah. But I think that there's also like a what's interesting about this time right now is also like the the interest in spirituality that has really picked up. And this is also where Rudolf Steiner comes in, too, is that I think that people are are awakening to the fact that the Internet, the tools for interfacing with the internet and then the tools for interfacing with, with each other and the collective consciousness. Um, people are awakening to the fact that it's dangerous and that's why there's this uptick in spirituality. And I think that there's probably going to be a lot more sort of theosophist uh, interfacing and training. Pe more people are going to be meditating maybe and like really connecting in that way that might be a little bit too optimistic um that's my white pill though is like actually we can defeat the the demons of the internet if we just all like train ourselves to be to to meditate with one another and be well, sort yeah of we have to have realm. something yeah we have to have something i mean yeah. like i was saying chanting does that it creates like this it locks your brain into this like positive reinforcing mode of thought that creates like a vibration that can't be penetrated by you know, lower or darker forces um mm -hmm. and i think probably what's going to happen is there's going to be a new religion 
born out of the internet. It's going to be, so, I don't know what it's going to be. I mean, we're already seeing traces of this with like the rationalists and the people who like, you know, just the futurists in general, they consider mm -hmm. themselves materialists, but it has the basic structure of a religion uh, and the way they look at AI. I mean, Musk himself and all of them and the whole Roko's Baskalist thing. Mm -hmm. looking at ai as this like super being this omnipotent omnipresent super being uh which again really is just made up you know it's like the body of the leviathan it's made up of all the human thought that's put online all the data uh and and your thoughts when you put them online you know you type them out or put them in a video or whatever becomes data it becomes raw data uh, it's it's sort of like transposed into that. And um, what was the other thing I was going to say? The. Religion. Hold on. Fuck. I hate having to edit. <laughs> oh, did you have something to say? Um, No, I think it's I, I think that it's really interesting to think about, like. It's it's something that I haven't given a lot of thought to, but but yeah, this like. The fact that A.I. is learning based on what we're feeding it i've i've thought about it a little bit but it's just like is what's gonna happen when like ai is just like referencing it back to itself like there's gonna be a point where um there's gonna be a point where like it's gonna become just so self-referential that it's it'll like implode on yeah. itself sort well, of well that's and that's why some people say it can't work and right, I don't right. see I don't see a way around it either. I don't see how it could become self-aware. I don't see how it could develop self-consciousness. It can right. only it can only act out of like rote self-interest, but not in a self-reflexive way. It can only just work to like continue to accumulate and perpetuate itself. I, right. I think I think and I and I think that like because if it can only exist based on what we give it, right, and then if we become too entangled with it then like there's not going to be there's there's well there will be a point where there's not going to be exchange anymore yeah i agree but i think the important way to look at this though is not like the ai is itself an actual omnipresent super being or omnipresent god even though metaphorically that works rather i think what's more important is to look at it as a tool mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. someone like elon musk uh, who I'm basically in favor of. I don't. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but but um, with Twitter, he now has the abilities, in theory, to synthesize this being, the, using the data that he harvests from the Twitter users. Uh, the real concern for AI would be to somebody use it to use it as a tool. Uh, for their own ends, as right. opposed to the AI being itself working for itself it's a tool being used by someone who's got control over like the, the most powerful ai you know super being that there is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh but the interesting thing here is we talked about neural pathways and like chanting and like putting your brain into certain way and you get into this like hypnotic state when you're online because McLuhan was talking about here's the thing the consciousness structures are built partially on technology, right? This is coming from McLuhan. This is from the Gutenberg galaxy. And that he says that like typographical phonetic text printed in a linear form 
locks your brain into a certain way of thinking and it makes you see the world in a certain way. The act of reading from left to right, down the page, across through the book, trains your brain and the light is coming from behind your head and hitting the page. And it, mm -hmm. it actually trains you to physically see the world in a unique, distinct way versus a previous, less literate time when light was coming through like the stained glass. So that was the medium on which like your stories were told were the stained glass and the light was coming from behind the stained glass through it into your eyes as opposed to from behind you onto the page reflecting. Uh, and in the preliterate time where very few people were able to read uh, before printing press, they were reading on scrolls, right? And you can't put as much information textural in, textual information into a scroll it just physically doesn't work right so the consciousness structure and this is the first half of the age of pisces that uh young was talking about because the mm -hmm. classical world collapsed and like the physical copies of like text disappeared and everything became oral and people and literacy declined uh and then during the second half of the age where the like the second fish differentiates itself from the first right it's when the the ego begins to crystallize itself out of the collective consciousness it was facilitated by the printing press according to McLuhan mm -hmm. why is this significant to what we're talking about because we're talking about a return to the collective telepathic consciousness mm -hmm. and the technology that we use resembles the pre-consciousness technology from the first half of the age of Pisces in that the light uh, on the on the computer and television screen comes from behind the source and it's coming through and it like illuminates us and it, and it causes us to see and look at these things differently right it changes the neural pathways in your brain literally on how you look at the world and how you see the world and uh when you're online and you're reading you're scrolling it's a less literate. So literacy is like declining. Everyone knows this, right? Literacy mm -hmm. is declining. Mm -hmm. So we're reverting back to this like pre-printing press era, like mode of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I've done an, a couple episodes on MK Ultra, And one of the things MK Ultra stresses is dissolution of the human ego, breaking down the consciousness structure to turn you into a more impressionable, put you into a more impressionable state and then feed you suggestion to turn you into like an automaton. Like this is mm -hmm. literally what they were mm -hmm. trying to do. Yes. So, and they were giving people drugs against their that, knowledge yeah. for that purpose. Mm -hmm. So my argument <laughs> and, and McLuhan kind of gets at this. I would, it would take a lot to explain in the Gutenberg galaxy, but he talks about this because he compares tribal people who haven't had their brains trained to see the world in the way that we have mm -hmm. look at paintings and look at v movies and stuff. And they don't know what the fuck is going on. It's totally incoherent to them because their brains haven't been trained that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the argument I have is that MK ultra, like the CIA was trying to break people's brains back down to this tribal way to make them more open to suggestion and to make it easier mm -hmm. for them to be controlled because these barriers that I'm talking about that neural pathways create in your brain to to keep these things out have been broken down and then basically what they want you to basically what they want you to do i mean as, as trite as it sounds is like turn you into a consumer who like buys in to like 
the politics of the day. And you're just going along. You're just being batted about by whatever like the regime wants you to think or believe. Yeah. Well, I think that I think that there's nothing wrong with becoming less literate. Like when you're thinking about that in a literal way, like reading, I don't think that there's anything necessarily or fundamentally wrong with with just communicating through visuals and symbols. It's about how you interpret and about how how um, we are trained to interpret those symbols. Like I think that um, uh, I think that a project like MK Ultra wants to influence how you're interpreting, and they want to make sure that you only interpret symbols in one particular way, and that it's in a way that makes you susceptible and easily controllable. Whereas, like I think that the natural human consciousness evolution and especially into Aquarius Aquarian consciousness is um like there are again there's ways to train your mind to be to have these barriers and also to to become a supremely expert interpreter and you have this like discernment when you can see symbols certain symbols in in certain contexts you can become a master interpreter and you know what what it means and so it doesn't necessarily matter that people are becoming less literate at least as so long as they become more interpretive with symbols and a project like MK ultra is sort of like breaking you down so that you, you can't, you only can interpret in one way and you only have like one, instead of a, a neural network that you have in your brain, you only have one neural pathway yeah, when you're encountering exactly. certain symbols. Yeah. And I think that what's interesting too, is like, there's this guy, um, Santos Bonacci, who is like a t- maniac. I adore him. Mm, um, never heard of him. He's he's incredible. And he talks so much about the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. He's an incredible man. And um, and he's super he's a genius. And is he like he talks, living now? And yeah, yeah. He's he's like completely he has like a really bizarre YouTube channel. I he calls himself an arc arc astro astro theolog- theologian he's well, he's, i gotta he's, look this guy up yeah i believe his uh youtube channel is mr astro theology um and uh he's great and and but he's very very off grid i mean people like I, I mean you know people attack him all the time all the time so like ideologically so he he's very off grid very isolated but he and he in like around 2012 he was giving these lectures those are the lectures from 2012 are what i primarily have watched um about the the astrological ages and he talks about the age of pisces specifically being a very bureaucratic age and like everything um and he, he talks about like he makes he's an he's a crazy conspiracy theorist he makes so many like uh wordplay connections he's like the birth certificate is like the like a a birth b-e-r-t-h like a birth like coming into he talks about the phoenicians and how they're like a seafaring society and like the birthing coming into a birth as like a ship and then like the he makes an association with the birth certificate anyway i'm not doing it any justice because i'm not as crazy as he is but um the point is he talks about the age of pisces being a bureaucratically centered age and everything has to be set into a document you have to have a birth certificate you have to have a passport you have to mm, have see, records and the church is the institution that takes mm-hmm. care of the records and, yeah. and and interpolates you into this system and so um and that's what gives way to having a literate society 
is because like you have to have certain documents attached to you and things like that. Now, if you go back prior to that and into the age of Aries, into the age of Taurus and even further back, you start to see um, it's really interesting to read about Mesopotamian divination, for example, or like Sumerian cuneiform and how um, uh, that sort of like pre-literate kind of language it's all based on interpretation. It's all based on like you have to know certain contexts of different symbols. Like there's um, you you would, can look at a symbol of like an icon of a girl, a painting of a girl. And that means girl, woman, you know, there's different signifiers that go along to differentiate between a girl or a woman. And then you can also look at um, a symbol for a mountain and you would think like and you would just think landscape or mountain, but if but in in some Mesopotamian or maybe it's Sumerian cuneiform, but in in some cases where you see a symbol of a girl and a symbol of a mountain together, it actually means slave girl, or it actually means mm. slave because it's like usually slaves in that society came from rural mountainous areas outside of the city center, but like those two symbols separate didn't mean that, but then together it's it creates a whole new context and so that is like technically not a literate society but it's an interpretive society yeah and so that's like you can you can sort of see how the internet is a clunkier way of doing that where now everybody is just sort of you know memes visual memes perfect. are kind of that way perfect example it's it's you you just you can only interpret it and like boomers don't know what certain memes mean because they're not like constantly seeing yeah. these images and seeing the, the contexts in which they develop. Right. Well, right. So symbols are going to become way more important mm -hmm. and a less literate society is like more apt to, to integrate these symbols and like interact with them in, in a much more fluid way in a much more spontaneous way as well. Whereas theoretically anyway they're like less likely to affect a literate society in such uh impactful ways mm -hmm. but that's why i think we need to and i don't i can't think of any concrete examples of where this is happening but i don't see how we can really go into the next phase and remain intact in any way without like a new religion you know, because we see how new religions are born and they kind of evolve and materialize out of chaos. They evolve and materialize out of the breakdown. So like in, in ancient Rome, we know that there were like all these different schools of thought and all these different religions, like cults that were popping up as a result of like the evolution of Greek philosophy into like Stoicism and uh, Epicureanism and things like that and Pythagoreanism. Uh, as well as like a cult of ISIS that grew up. And then, of course, mm -hmm. uh, the obvious thing is that like Christianity eventually arose like out of that chaos. And we're kind of seeing that now. Um, you know, Spengler identified that like the theosophists actually were the beginning of this, like the beginning of this proliferation of cults. But if we're focusing on America, we can we can go back to what you said about the hippies in the 70s, which is like when the cult phenomena started. And of course, you know, there's like high there's like a lot of suspicion that the CIA and MK Ultra were also involved in that. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Jones and Charles Manson and uh, among others. Uh, so this is part of what I was talking about, about like the breakdown and disintegration of like the 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 structure 
from the past, like the religion fades away, new cults arise. And I would think that there has to be some new religion that like comes to prominence that like helps organize everything. And, you know, this religion, quote unquote, could be a materialist thing, like mm -hmm. the rationalists, like I was saying. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't really know. But uh, either way, I definitely think symbology on the internet is like where it's going to come out of. But but there's also the counter argument. Actually, I'd like to ask you what you think about this. The problem with this perspective is that the internet may actually like, like prevent that from happening because the internet is so schizophrenic and scattershot and like distributed and, dis and things like are like so like instantly dispersed and ephemeral that like something can be like mega, mega, mega viral and it'll still be stuck in its own little like lane that like, you know, at the end of the day, when you see uh, a video on YouTube that gets two billion views or a meme that gets, you know, 500,000, a million likes, that's actually a drop in the bucket. Right. And they're only popular for 12 hours. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then they fade away and never come back. And like, that's why time feels like it's speeding up because these things like arise and disappear. So that. The very nature of the Internet may actually preclude anything I'm even saying. It may like actively prevent this from even happening. And it could just be this like, I don't know. I mean, I guess the pessimistic view is that it would just be this continued like disintegration of like the psyche into this like primordial soup and then just stay that way. Yeah, I think that that could be a pessimistic view or it could also be a nice like if you think about um, the goal of meditation or the goal of enlightenment is to just like let things pass over you. Um, like like let it roll off your back kind of thing. And it could be like in when you're fully instantiated in the astral realm and you ha and your mind has access to every single thing that's going on you have ideally you would have the full autonomy over your brain to just be like okay i can filter that out like yeah there's uh, things constantly question? happening yes yeah don't you think there has to be some and maybe you kind of already said this like you kind of have to like train yourself oh like, yeah 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 you have to you have to be able to you have to have a mind resilience i i don't think that this is necessarily it. I think that it's hard to, uh, I think it's hard to explain the paradigm before we fully become a part of it. But like my speculation is like, I call it like a spiritual warfare, which I think that like in a sort of Christian way is like, oh, there's demons coming at you and we have to exercise it with the power of the Lord or whatever. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily mean it like that. I think that it's a spiritual warfare in the sense that like, your consciousness is being invaded constantly yeah. by by these all kinds of entities. Sometimes it's really positive, sometimes it's it's really, really negative. And the the warfare itself is you have to like you have to arm yourself with the tools for knowing when to just like shut something out and not let it not let it overtake you. Um and I think that that's what humans have done. I think that that's what humans have done constantly, even in these more individualistic and more materialistic astrological ages. Um, you know, you you sort of take up arms and sometimes the armaments are actually material and to protect you. But um, yeah, I think that people are just way more attuned to having protection 
or, or being able to harness protection. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like spiritual warfare. This is all yeah, yeah, spiritual yeah. and astral and like it's all, all the things the you're talking plane, about yeah. are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that the other thing, too, is that like it's an interesting relationship. Um, I I also see like the, this like dualism like this mind body dualism is also mm. like a really really big problem for people too um because it disrupts your relationship to the holographic universe thinking that like if you if you think that that your brain and body are are fundamentally disconnected if you're gonna have a horrible time that's also what, what's at the heart of all these religious cults that these mystics that like can self-flagellate but if they're in prayer they're totally fine because totally. they understand the connection between their mind and their mind and body. Um, but something that is an interesting speculation that I've had is like, I wonder if in this time of Aquarian consciousness, telepathy, I wonder if the um, forms of protection and also maybe even some forms of religion are going to focus more on the physical body. Uh, like some like the way that you move. I think about um, the Chinese practice of Qigong, which is like just uh, harnessing your the qi, your energy in your body. And like you do and like it, Qigong sort of resembles Tai Chi where it's like very like air uh, the last airbender, like kind of Tai Chi movements of of your limbs. But like you're harnessing you're moving your body in very specific ways to make sure that the, your energetic body yeah, yeah. is functioning. And I wonder if that's going to be the focus of, of like the religion sort of, or these, these sort of practices of like making sure that your body is trained and resilient and, and that your body is actually strong so that then you can also like manage your energy that's going up and down in your in your body i also think about this as like um i i like whenever i read raw nationalist and think about like th this like absolute poison that and especially especially in america but in the west the poison that people are consuming that just like totally drains your mental capacities it drains like people thinking that they can just like be vegan and they're gonna be fine like that's so fucked up to me because you're you're just you're fucking up your lymphatic flow, you're fucking up your blood sugar, you're fucking up everything in your actual physical body, and that affects your mental state, and it makes your mental state more susceptible. And so I think that these new religions or these new ways of protecting yourself from all of the mental invasions, it's going to have to focus on the resiliency of your physical body as well. And like the, what you consume physically, like your nutrients. I love that you said that about food and, and brought up raw nationalists. My mind was was going there for sure. Uh, and, you know, that's an example of the Internet not being all bad, actually. It seems yes. to have and I, I've said this on the show before. It does seem to have a net negative effect on society overall, mm -hmm. but it's clearly not all bad. And, uh, you know. I, I've I'm I'm in I you know I was into a lot of things before I really started spending a lot of time online like lifting weights and eating healthy and stuff but being around Rog Nationalist and his scene like definitely helped me fine-tune that into like a way more effective uh you know I don't know how to say it a, a way more effective way to work out and a way more mm -hmm. a, a way more healthy diet 
Um, and I was already pretty good before, but, um, and then there's other people who like have no clue about, about, you know, the fitness scene or the health scene who totally transform their lives. Um, and it's, you know, the whole physique posting thing. It's like an awesome, positive thing about the internet. Um, that is a subculture that is spreading, you know, outside the gyms because for like the longest time, especially like the actual bodybuilders, like, and like the supplementation and stuff like that was like, you had to go to like gold's gym forever if you wanted to have anything to do with right. that. But right. now you can get like a, a better education online than you could in real life. And it's like spreading that out through the population. And it's like really, 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 really good. And of course, you know, I don't want to get into this topic, but the left like dropped the ball and mm -hmm. guys like Rogue Nationalists pick it up. And it's it's awesome to see. It's awesome mm -hmm. to see. It's like super, super awesome uh, trend in health food. And I certainly I certainly have like my diet is like almost all animal products now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like better than I ever have, like in my entire life. And yeah. it, this is all from the internet all from memes <laughs> like i mean of course i back <laughs> it up with real research you know yeah yeah uh so 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 my theory my hope is that something like this can go really rampant and go really widespread and i don't see why it can't because before i was talking about like how it's like really ephemeral and it's really like things are really niche, even when they look like they're going mega viral, they're actually like barely having an effect mm -hmm. at the same time. Like if these people are inspired to become bodybuilders or, uh, you know, just to get just to do what I do, which is not be a bodybuilder, but like to get way more healthy. Mm -hmm. I don't see why it couldn't, in theory, like totally sweep across the nation, like if a real religion were to, to grow up and we're seeing like. You know, the whole Donald Trump phenomenon, too, like that was certainly partially born on the Internet. You know what mm -hmm, I mean? Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. And people understood the power of memes. I think that it was like Big on time. Reddit. Yeah, it was like on a Reddit thread, like after he got elected, they were like, we memed the president. We memed Donald Trump into the presidency kind For of thing. Sure. And it was. And yeah, that is the that is the function and the power of memes for sure. Well, if you don't mind, uh, maybe we can finish up like by sort of shifting gears, staying mm -hmm. in the same realm. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, I call and this really was a, a originally conceived of as its own topic. So maybe we could follow up with this, but <laughs> uh, I don't know how much time you have. Oh, I have time. OK. Um, I noticed that like the, the way I see it is that when we have these shifts in consciousness, right, that I was talking about before. You kind of have, and this is actually uh, Deleuze and Guattari too in the uh, in the chapter, the geology of morality, which is like the most difficult chapter. And is that in a thousand plateaus? Or yeah, Oedipus. Okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah. a thousand plateaus. Even that even evokes like the different planes that I was talking about, like the different mm -hmm, planes of mm -hmm. imminence, because they want to call it like a thousand plateaus, as opposed to like linear chapters, you know. Mm -hmm. But they talk about this. Uh, lots of people talk about this, but. They talk about how like what I'm calling the consciousness structures are like geological layers on top of one another. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you get to a certain layer, like a certain rock, a geological formation crystallizes itself in that layer. But it's like coming up through the others. So the idea being that like 
the crust, the geolo geological crust of the different layers is in flux and they're moving. But the minerals themselves are like distillations on a certain plane, right? But they start out elsewhere and sort of like grow up through the different levels. So as this applies to culture is uh, Frederick Jameson picked this up and says that like surrealism grew out in the late modernist phase, but it's a truly postmodern form. So it's like the embryonic form of it that finally grew into like abstract expressionism during postmodernism, how these things work, right? I think you can see everything like this. I think you can see everything like this. In the my Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode, uh, I talk about how like Leatherface was like a, a, a cross-dresser um, and how it was like this embryonic stirring of this archetype coming to prominence. This is this is what you were talking about, about the signifier and the signified, where the signified is us facing the symbol of um, the age of Aquarius. Like our brains, are, our faces are turned towards that symbol. And that symbol mm -hmm. is like creating and these new... Mutual affectation by both things, by signifier right. and it, signified. Well, and yeah. they form a rhizome. The signifier mm -hmm. and the signified, the symbol and the, the person observing the symbol form a rhizome. Um, so I see that like these embryonic structures, these crystallizations of these new mineral forms on these different planes start out earlier and then they're kind of born over the ages and then they come to like their full fruition. I think this is true. Like I was talking about how like Travis Bickle was like the, the embryonic mass shooter archetype that came mm. along. Um, that's the context for the point I want to make about the internet is that the internet itself went through this form. It had this embryonic birth in human consciousness before it became real. And then it, it it eventually evolved into like a reality. It was born into reality. And you can look backwards. You can look retrospectively and see that people were like picking up on this. And I asked you uh, if you read Borges, The Library of Babel and the Aleph, which I think you did. Mm -hmm. And I see those two stories as like the embryonic birth, the archetypical birth of this. Because the Aleph, right, is the is this point in space and time where your consciousness can be tuned in to everything that's happening now and everything yeah. that's ever happened and ever everything that's ever going to happen mm -hmm. all on this one like infinitesimal point of light in reality which an aleph is a symbol for infinity mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. and it's on the magician tarot card oh is it Yes, that I didn't know. It's on the magician tarot card and it's on the, the strength tarot card, which the strength tarot card is associated with Leo. I had no fucking idea. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad you read those then because. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about what I'm saying about like this, this like. Stirring in the collective unconsciousness of this new archetype being born, uh, kind of re rearing itself on on the the plane of reality coming out of the plane of imminence you know i'm throwing all this jargon around because i hardly ever get to talk to somebody who's read the losing atari um well it's interesting when you talk about geological sediment and mm, like you use that analogy yes, because yes. because when i think about geology and i think about rock formations and you and you see the sediment the only thing that 
breaks down sediment is water, water erosion, which is what Aquarius is, the water bearer. So like, I mean, that's just the image that's that's coming into that's coming into mind is like if we have had astrological ages that have just been about individualization and um, individual languages. And then it's just like those sort of those civilizational arcs are just kind of building on top of each other as like a rock formation. Then the age of Aquarius is where they all erode and it all becomes water and it all becomes totally right on. Yeah. Because of the water bearer. And, um, and, and yeah, the, the similarities, well, cause I also read, um, the HP Lovecraft, um, yeah. From beyond. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, the Aleph and from beyond both like play on each other as this, like the, it's like the terror and then like the psychotic break that you have. And, and from beyond, I think the Lovecraft piece is so much, so much about this illness, um, I mean, the guy dies of a stroke or something, right? <laughs> um, and and the other guy goes crazy. He, like, shoots the machine that yeah. gives him access to all of the information. And, um, yeah, there's no way that... To, to me, the From Beyond piece, the Lovecraft piece, was very much this, like, embryonic thing of, like, the terror and the horror of everything breaking down, the horror of water erosion, the horror of everything like literally breaking and and then you're you're opened up to it and you're just opened up to this flood um and i think that that's where we fundamentally are we're just in i mean this is a, maybe a little bit of a black pill but like we're just we're in this transition and it's going to be a little bit horrifying <laughs> yeah yeah well we're being exposed to these entities via this technology in the same way that the characters in from beyond where and remember mm-hmm. the guy who dies of a stroke he's i mean this is the perfect illustration of what i was trying to say like he sees these entities in this other realm for mm-hmm. those who haven't read the story he creates this device when you turn it on it stimulates your pineal gland and you can see the entities on the astral realm that you know these planes are supposedly like laid right on top of each other so right, right. in the story and this is, I don't know if Lovecraft was reading Steiner and Theosophy, but he was contemporary with them. This is how they mm-hmm. explain the, 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 the way the two planes interact with each other. That they're mm-hmm. actually basically like interwoven with each other, but you can't cross the boundary. Like you can't cross the membrane. But uh, the device in From Beyond like makes you aware of those beings and they don't really see you unless you do something to like elicit their attention. And then Mm -hmm. when they see you, they like come after you and they like possess you and make you crazy. And the guy who invented the device is trying to do exactly what I was saying. Somebody like Elon Musk is trying to do. He's trying to like use those beings on that other plane to like control and manipulate other human beings who are Mm -hmm. also on that plane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And metaphorically the way i see that story is that like our technology is breaking down the barrier between the two realms and it's like all of these demons are basically like flying around right around us right with us now it's pandora's Mm -hmm. box Mm -hmm. i mean that's what it is it's pandora's box 
And something that I wrote in the margin when I was reading the Lovecraft piece, um, I wrote Edisonic invention because because Edison, it se- like Thomas Edison, yeah, like Thomas Edison, exactly. Um, because it Thomas Edison, all of his inventions, everything about the uh, the phonograph and the telegraph, the 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 primary motivation for those inventions was actually American spiritualism. He was actually trying to speak to the dead. He was oh, trying to that's... invent ways to speak to the dead. And Fucking what amazing. he and what Thomas Edison took from Nikola Tesla was like because Nikola Tesla was like, I don't think I don't know necessarily if Tesla was a theosophist, um, but he was very much in tune to the whole spirituality of technology and very much in tune to like the high frequencies. Tesla had spirituality at the core of his of his motivation whereas like edison was just kind of like trying to be a um an, an exceptional man i guess and an inventor and, and but anyway but edison wanted to communicate with the dead everything he, all of edison's inventions are failed attempts to communicate with the dead and to communicate with that other realm and with the beings of the other realm and so i saw that as like in this in the lovecraft story very much like Thomas Edison. And now, and now because of Thomas Edison, thanks to that, the motivation of connecting with that other realm, now we have this ability to like you and I sitting individually geographically apart talking to nothing, but yet talking to each other. Yeah, so yeah. We, ha- we haven't accessed that other realm, but we have accessed each other in this utterly non-material way, a metaphysical way. Um and I think and just another point and sort of another tangent is like the other thing, too, though, is like psychic mediums and spiritualism and people who can do remote viewing like Ingo Swan. Like it's all completely within the realm of possibility that we can access that astral realm. And you do that through like Steiner would say through meditation. You do that through psych- psychic mediums would say you do that through um, through through honing your psychic abilities more spiritual people would say you do that through um uh ritual and like creating these like ritual context ceremonial contexts in which you can interface that's why people also like do psychedelics in very ritual ways because they don't want to like just open themselves up to every to the astral realm they want to do it in a specific context i don't i do not like to take mushrooms in social context because when i take mushrooms i literally see dead people and mm-hmm. so i can't do it in a <laughs> In, in a social context or else like someone's dead grandfather is going to show up like yeah you have to you there it's all about the context that you put yourself into and so and yeah this the character in lovecraft is definitely trying to like harness it yeah out, exactly. harness that outside of the proper context yeah absolutely absolutely and then of course the library of babel i mean i had a uh earlier show called the demonology of the internet where um the guy who invented Google, I forgot his name. He had a dream of a of an office with papers and drawers and books everywhere. And he was like opening each, you know, different drawer with all the different information in there. And like, that's how he like conceived of Google. And that's kind of like what the Library of Babel is. I feel like mm-hmm. the Library of Babel is itself like this prefiguration of like Google. You know what I'm saying? It's like this infinite library where like everything is like, catacombed off in this like honeycomb hexagonal area and it's like each and then all the information in the books is like stored in each of those you know what i'm saying and it's like mm-hmm. that is like 
a prototypical internet, for lack of a mm-hmm. better term. So, and Bitcoiners would call that Bitcoin. And well, especially would that, now that you can inscribe information onto Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say it would be the... Um, Inscriptions. The yeah. blockchain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I don't know. Do you want to say anything more about Bitcoin? Because you... you, you that's kind of how we got introduced to each other because you were mm-hmm. like, are you into Bitcoin? I'm like, well, no, but I kind of want to be like, and you <laughs> see it as like another itself, its own catalyst, I think. Right. Yeah. I think that it's a big signifier of the age of Aquarius, right. essentially. Again, because like Bitcoin embodies everything about the archetype of Aquarius, this um, 11th house communication network, uh, individual nodes working within a network um i just i think that it's it's not like okay so jesus christ is the messiah of the age of pisces pisces is the archetype of pisces is the messianic savior figure and so therefore you need a messiah and that's why you need jesus christ that's also why you need muhammad why you need the buddha um you know you in these myths you need this one singular messiah i I'm not saying that Bitcoin is the new Messiah because the age of Aquarius does not require a Messiah, (laughs) but Bitcoin is the age of Aquarius. It is like the network that is foundational to, to everything that we are going to be. And this goes beyond the monetary thesis. Well, that, uh, my question is like, supposedly at a certain time, there's not going to be no more Bitcoin to mine. Right. Right. So like what happens then? Like and also how does it go beyond monetary? This is a great like closing of the loop because the do you know the year that Bitcoin is gonna be? I you told me, but I forgot. It's twenty one forty. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. And and that happened independently, you know, like right. astrologers right. from the nineteen seventies have been saying twenty one forty is the age of Aquarius. Yeah. And then and then it was specifically programmed by Satoshi Nakamoto to reach final distribution in 2140 anyway so anyway um (laughs) just supports the thesis but uh what happens then is that then you're just going to be trading you're just going to be trade it's it's going to be a scarce resource and you're just going to be trading the scarce resource and so therefore the value is going to go up but that really is just it can only go up from there that really is just constraining it to a monetary thesis the other thing that's going to happen is like, especially with ordinal inscriptions, all the like insane things that are going on with like how people, first of all, how inscriptions are being ordered, how how sats, the smaller increments of Bitcoin, how they're being numbered and how they're being ordered. There's such a thing. There's there's certain classifications like rare sats or super rare sats, et cetera, et cetera. So there's going to be classifications of value after all 21 million Bitcoin are mined. So um so there's no sort of there's not an immediate threat necessarily to once Bitcoin will stop being mined. Um, there's no like threat to its usefulness. Um, but the fact that information can be inscribed into the blockchain, to me, that is like and, and because it's so private and because it's so sovereign, the yeah, way that no. you set up your your Bitcoin node, that to me is like this counterpart to the Internet. Where the internet is the information superhighway, but the internet is, we interface with the internet through these highly addictive machines and these black mirrors that we are scrying into and like becoming addicted to. 
the information superhighway is being mediated through this like demonic internet portal. Whereas like if you start inscribing information onto Bitcoin where you have privacy, you have it's programmed into the code to be private, to be sovereign. That's a much more um, it's a safer way to interface with information. The medium is the is the massage. The medium is the message. Um, Bitcoin, the blockchain is going to be that medium that is way safer than the internet yeah it's gonna be a medium of information it's way safer than the that's internet that's great that, that's and that's what we were talking about before about how, how you have to protect yourself so mm -hmm. you're, you're shedding your data and it's being picked up or you're becoming susceptible to these entities that you encounter things mm -hmm. like urbit and bitcoin are examples mm -hmm. of tools that are at your disposal and this is not a commercial for either of those things although mm -hmm. i'm happy to take massive amounts of money from either one of those outlets but those things were specifically designed to protect from exactly the problems we're talking about exactly yeah yeah so, yeah the self-sovereignty that urbit is fully yeah a part of that and yeah i think that the decentralization the blockchain that's that is the white pill of the age of aquarius yeah, I, and I just, think that's where it's going. We need to see these things being utilized and integrated like mm -hmm. much more than they are. That's yeah. the problem. That's the problem. Like the internet is so distributed and that's by nature that it's reasonable to say that it's never going to crystallize into, you know, a religion like I was talking about or massive use of Bitcoin and engagement in Bitcoin in this way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think that it's going to happen in our lifetimes, like how it's going to fully. I mean, again, because we won't be alive when Bitcoin is going to reach final issuance. Mm. So we don't really know. But I think that like the ordinal protocol, um, the ordinal inscriptions protocol that allows you to inscribe information into the blockchain, like that's that's a massive that it can't be overstated, truly. Yeah, um, well, I'd like to yeah, learn more about it and <laughs> participate in it more. It's like. You know, because, well, whatever. We'll see what we'll see what Musk does. It could turn out great. It yeah, or it could great. be a hellscape. All right, yeah. so listen, Bethany. What we need to do is create a new religion and distribute it on the internet. Distribute dis it on Bitcoin. Okay, we'll distribute it on Bitcoin. All right, <laughs> all right. All right, That's good. Well, yeah, okay. So we have so much more to talk about, so you're going to have to come back. Uh, we did a good job. Talking about Aquarian consciousness. Um, I'm very glad you read Borges. Uh, you mm -hmm. were tripping out. You were tripping out on Borges. Yeah. Well, with the Aleph especially, because I was just like, oh, shit. Because also in some interpretations of early tarot and Taroki, which is the Italian version, it's like sometimes the Aleph is on the Fool card, uh, which is actually the Zero card and not on the Magician card. And sometimes the Fool card comes at the very end to like close the loop. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and we well, talked about that on Blood Blood Meridian with the fool. Yeah, and the world coming at the end. But what is the yeah. um? Let's let's let let's have this be the end, because I am con con. I was gonna say con concerned. I'm interested in what the significance of the magician card is that with the alef on it. Uh huh. Yeah. I think you talked about the magician card a little bit, but on the other episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because I was talking about the uh uh the world card being the dancer mm yes and um and and yeah and and the real dance that the quote from blood meridian the real dancer at the end um but 
some uh, so the magician card with the first uh roman numeral one the magician is like from which all things spring forth like when you when you have a magician card in your reading it means that you are uh doing supreme manifesting at that time anything that you want will come into being if you're getting the magician card come up in a in a reading it has the infinity symbol at the very top um it has all so the, in tarot there's four suits there's the wands the cups the swords and the pentacles and they all have associ- they all have astrological associations associations with different elements but basically like those four suits comprise the four elements of the world that you need to manifest anything into being and in the magician card there's a wand there's a chalice there's a pentacle and there's a sword so he has everything at his disposal. He's also he's he has his uh, he has his arms. One arm is pointing up. One arm is pointing down, which is also the same gesture that the dancer is making in the world's card. And to to be like a sort of channeling as above, so below, mm. channeling everything. And so it's this channel. And so when you think about in the Borges story, the olive is this um, everything like the the point in space where everything converges and it can be really scary but the idea is that your physical body you manifest as a physical body you have access to the astral it's amazing to be a human because you have access you have a mind that accesses the astral realm but then you have a physical body that can actually materialize that energy and so the magician card pointing up and then pointing down is is sort of like a channeling rod to channel as above so below and to manifest into material into the material realm so you know it it's a lot when you think about like oh no in the age of aquarius we're just going to be plugged into the consciousness and we're we're just going to be on the internet forever but that's not the case that's also why i think that uh, a religion of the body and a religion of the physique is going to return during age of aquarius is because it's sort of like you are going to have an epic consciousness evolution but you're still going to have your body and it's important to maintain that body to be able to like everything that you download in your consciousness you materialize in the physical realm and that's what the magician card is all about fantastic fantastic (laughs) i love it okay good yeah good good uh, ending point yeah we're ending on a positive note (laughs) yeah well look thanks for coming this was amazing we you got to come back yeah i would be excited to all right (laughs) thank you so much for having me yeah no it's my pleasure all right astral flight signing off (laughs) 